0: welcome to the daily office lectionary i'm father reed this week we are going to look at scriptures for the week of third advent third advent there are four weeks in advent advent is our preparation for the coming of jesus christ into the world which we celebrate on christmas day december 25th and we have four weeks of preparation so your sunday readings will reflect that And I pray that that's a real blessing to you and that you're enjoying your preparation for Jesus' coming. This is a very important time of the liturgical season as we prepare ourselves and our hearts, our minds, our souls for Christ's coming. Now, we are looking at the scriptures. See them in your post. We are going to look at Amos chapter 9 on Sunday, and then we'll look at the book of Zechariah, another minor prophet. I spoke about the minor prophets last time. And we have 12 of them. We looked last time at Amos and Haggai. And today we'll look at Amos and Zechariah. Remember we looked at five of the seven churches uh, at um, in the book of Revelation after we had that beautiful opening chapter about Jesus in chapter one. And then we'll look at chapters three, four, five, and six. Then we will... Continue to follow Jesus in Matthew 24. Remember, the opening words of Matthew 24 had to do with the end times. So it's not an easy chapter. Chapter 24 has been debated for many, many years. And then the uh, 25th chapter, will look at three very famous passages, the parable of the ten bridesmaids, the parable of the talents, and the parable of the sheep and the goats. Three fantastic readings before Jesus... uh, uh, goes into his preparation for his death in Matthew 26 and 27. All right, let's go to uh, Amos chapter 9. Get your Bibles out or enjoy listening. Verse 11, In that day I will restore David's fallen tent, I will repair its broken places, restore its ruins, and build it as it used to be, so that they may possess the remnant of Edom, and all the nations that bear my name declares the Lord who will do these things. So, God, we spoke about uh, last time, uh, is very much vengeful and very much pours out his wrath, his judgment upon his people after he's given them proper time to do his will. And when they fail continuously not to do it, there's judgment. There's another aspect and we see in the scriptures that's also very important, and that is the restoration, where God restores his people. Remember the Babylonian exile. This is about 721 BC. So he raises up Cyrus of Persia. We see this in Ezra, and at the end of um, Chronicles, the Ezra uh, comes. uh, Ezra shows us that Cyrus of Persia allows the people to go back. Okay, so after the Babylonians, we have the Persians. After the Persians, we have the Romans. After uh, I mean, after we have the Greeks, and after the Greeks, we have the Romans. And so God is going to restore. Look at verse 14. I will bring my back my exiled people, Israel. They will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. So God is the one that is going to restore. They will plant my vineyards and drink their wine. Verse 15. I will plant Israel in their own land, never again to be uprooted from the land I have given them. So Amos chapter 9, Amos ends with a very positive um Prophecy given to Amos from God to the people of Israel. And it's a beautiful passage of restoration. Again, we are in third Advent. Zechariah. The book of Zechariah, which you will find, is after Haggai, which we looked at last week. We looked at chapters 1 and 2. Let's look at Zechariah on Monday, 1, 7 to 17. The man among the myrtle trees. On the 24th day, verse 7 of the seventh month, the month of Shabbat. In the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, the son of Edo. During the night, I had a vision. Now, he tells us about this vision, and Zechariah is a very, very powerful and not easy to understand uh, prophet. Uh, His words are challenging. Uh, So, uh, read this And rejoice in what you'll see in verse 17. My towns will again overflow with prosperity and the Lord will comfort Zion and choose Jerusalem. Now this is at the exile. Okay, so after uh, the destruction of Babylon, uh, the destruction from Babylon to the Israelites where they were destroyed as I've mentioned earlier, Haggai and Zechariah and Malachi were raised up to speak to the people in the exilic period, okay, the post-exilic period. And Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther are also part of that uh, history. So what we have are these beautiful verses of restoration that we're going to see in Zechariah, which we also see during this uh, time of Advent where God is calling us to prepare ourselves for the coming of the Messiah. Chapter 2, the man with a measuring line that I looked up and there was before me a man with a measuring line in his hand. Where are you going to measure Jerusalem to find out how wide and how long it is? Then the angel who was speaking to me left. And another angel came to meet him and said to him, Run, tell that man, Jerusalem will be a city without walls because the great number of men and livestock in it. And I myself will build a wall of fire around it and I will be its glory within. So remember, the prophetic word of God is to the people of Israel during that time. And God is the one that is going to restore. He is the one that's going to judge. He was the one that's going to avenge. He's the one that's going to comfort. He's the one that's going to bless. So the main character of the Old Testament is God Almighty. He is the one that is in charge of his people. Enjoy reading chapter 2 of Zechariah, chapter 3 of Zechariah, Clean garments for the high priest. Okay? I have taken away your sin, in verse 4, and I will put rich garments on you. So the filthy clothes, sins, and God is the one that is able to take away our sin and to put beautiful garments on us. It's a beautiful metaphor for sin. Sin stains, sin pollutes, sin is filthy, sin is smelly, sin is... Horrible. God forgives us of our sins. This is why repentance is so important. And he puts on us rich garments on us. That is a beautiful uh, beautiful metaphor for us. Verse 8. Listen, O high priest Joshua and your associates uh, before you, who are men symbolic of things to come. I am going to bring my servant the branch. The branch is going to be the Messiah. See the stone I have set in front of Joshua. There are seven eyes on that one stone, and I won't engrave an inscription on it, says the Lord Almighty, and I will remove the sin in this land in a single day. God is looking to restore us and to bless us, and the way he does that is by forgiving of our sins, forgiveness of our sins, very important. Chapter 4 on Thursday, 4, 1 to 14. A verse that's quite famous among those people that read the Bible often is the idea in verse 6 of chapter 4. This is the word of the Lord to Z- Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by m- power, but by my spirit. So we want to work according, not by the might and our power, we want to work by the spirit of the Lord. Okay, you and I want the Holy Spirit to guide us. Of course, this will be spoken about very significantly in the new testament i'm thinking of john 14 john 15 john 16 and then later paul in 1 corinthians 12 13 and 14 uh, the movement of the holy spirit in people's lives chapter 2 of 1 corinthians moved by the holy spirit of uh, moved by the power of the holy spirit in your life chapter 4 verse 10 who despises the day of small things Men will rejoice when they see the plum line in the hand of Zerubbabel. Small things are good. God starts off small. I'm thinking of the parable of the mustard seed, smallest seed, and it grows into the kingdom of God. It's okay to start small and it takes time and let it develop, let it germinate, let it grow, let the crop grow. Crop takes time. Be patient. Be patient with the Lord. The Lord is patient with you. Okay? Let's look at Zechariah 7, 8 to 8, 8. Again, read these scriptures slowly, digest them. You might have a commentary in a study Bible, a uh, situation where it has some commentary at the bottom of the page. So that would be very helpful if you have access to that information. This is what the Lord Almighty says, 7, 8. Administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another. It's a great way to live. Do not oppress the widow, or the fatherless, the alien, or the poor. In your hearts, do not think of evil of one another. That is also great. But they refused to pay attention. Verse eleven. Suddenly they turned their backs and stopped, stopped up their ears. They made their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen to the law, the, law, the words of the Lord God Almighty, that He had been sent by His Spirit through the earlier prophets. The Lord was very angry. When I called, they did not listen. So when they called, I would not listen. And I scattered them with the whirlwind. Again, we want to hear the word of the Lord. We want to hear what he has to say to us. We want to bow down before him. We want to show mercy and compassion. We want to submit to the Lord, not by our might, not by our power, but by the word of the Lord. Okay. And then finally, in chapter 8, 9 to 17, these things, verse 16, you are to do. Speak the truth to each other. Can't go wrong there. And render true and sound judgments in your courts. Be fair, be just. Do not plot evil against your neighbor. And do not love to swear falsely. I hate all this. Swearing falsely, not telling the truth, plotting evil, not being just. Those are not good things at all. Love, truth, and peace. Enjoy these great scriptures from the book of Zechariah. Okay, now let's turn to the book of Revelation. We were in chapters 1 and 2. And now we are turning to chapter 3 in the book of Revelation, which is a beautiful book, often misunderstood. Verse 7. Now we're talking to the church in Philadelphia and then later the church of Laodicea. These are the words of him who is holy and true who holds the key of David. Okay, verse 11, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Be persevering. Hold on. Be patient. Let that seed germinate. Trust the Lord. Move by the Holy Spirit. Laodicea, these are the words of the amen, the amen. The faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation in verse 14. Verse 16, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. We need to have passion for the Lord. We need to have the joy of the Lord. We need to take the Lord seriously in our lives. He needs to be a high priority. Look at verse 19. This is good. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. That's the truth. So be earnest and repent. I've often called us to repentance. He's going to rebuke you because he loves you. He's going to discipline because he wants the best for you. He wants us to follow his will. When we get off and we get off on a tangent, he's going to discipline us. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will go in and eat with him and he with me. Respond to the word of the Lord. Respond to his calling in your life. Very important. Enjoy the Readings from the churches in Philadelphia and in Laodicea. Let's move on to chapter 4. Chapter 4 is just a beautiful chapter. And chapter 5 are beautiful chapters of praise and glory. And they're very easy to understand. So we had the first chapter about Jesus being exalted and glorified. Very powerful. Two and three are about the churches that the Holy Spirit is speaking to. And we can read about those seven churches and glean something for our own lives in this present time. Four and five are just fabulous chapters um, where we see the glory of God in heaven, see what heaven's going to be like. I know that excites you. I'm sure it does. And how much uh, the angels are going to be participating. Let's read a few scriptures. Uh, This is verse 8. Day and night they will never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Verse 11. You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. You are the creator. I'm glorifying you. I'm magnifying you. There's a strong sense in Revelation that in heaven we will be glorifying God. We will be honoring God. We will be worshiping God. So in this time now, on, while we are alive, we want to practice the glory of God. We want, worship becomes a very important component in our lives so that when we pass from this life to the next life, that's what the next life is going to be about, very much so. Then I saw on my right, the right hand of him who sat on the throne with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. Chapter 5, verse 1, I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, "'Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll?' Then one of the elders said to me in verse 5, "'Do not weep, see the lion of the tribe of Judah.'" Remember, one of the 12 sons. "'The root of David has triumphed.'" David being the great uh, leader of Israel, the second one after Saul. He is able to open the scroll and the seven seals, and then we get this beautiful picture of Jesus. One of the reasons I love Revelation Is It gives us pictures of Jesus glorified, which are very, very hopeful, inspiring, victorious, um, a great blessing. Lamb, looking as if it had been slain, and of course it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and its elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into the earth. He came... Verse 7, and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And then you are worthy to open the scroll because you were slain. With your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation from all over the world. He He has given us an opportunity to be saved. So he says in verse 12, in a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. All these things, all these great attributes to the Lamb who was slain. Enjoy the great fourth and fifth chapters. In chapter 6, we have the seals. Now, the seals are a little bit more difficult. Okay, One through five, pretty easy to understand. Starting with six, it gets a little bit more difficult. I watched as the lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the living, four living creatures say, "'Come!' I looked before me, there was a white horse." Then we have number two, uh, we have a fiery red one. And then number three, we have a black horse. And number four, we have a pale horse. Its rider was called Death, oh my. And Hades was closing, close following close behind him. So there are the four horses. Some people call this the four horses of the apocalypse. And he opened the fifth seal. And then he opened the sixth seal and there was a great earthquake. Then 15, then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and every slave and every free man in caves among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath is come, and who can stand? So there's going to be judgment. We see the worship of God in 4 and 5. We see him challenging the churches in 2 and 3. We see him glorified in chapter 1. We'll later see in chapter 19 his glorification. And then in 6, we see the judgment. And we need who can stand. Well, only those who are in Christ will stand. So you got to be ready. Enjoy these chapters. Matthew chapter 24 Remember I said um, that the 24th chapter was not an easy chapter. We have the signs at the end of the age, and then he goes through this. Now again, this is not about trying to figure out what they mean, but it is good for you to read this. So 24 on Monday, 15 to 31, just gives you a great expose. Uh, Look at verse 30. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with a power and great glory, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds. Learn this lesson from the fig tree. Verse 35, heaven and earth will pass away, my words will never pass away. So you have this extraordinary person uh, making these phenomenal claims and about his coming again. We call this the second coming of Jesus. When Jesus comes, you want to be prepared for that. We'll say uh, something about that when we get to 25. No one knows the day or the hour. No one knows the day or the hour when the Son of Man is coming. The angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Therefore, verse 42, what do you want us to do, Father Reed? I want you to keep watch because you do not know on the day your Lord will come. You must be ready, verse 44, The Son of Man will come in an hour you don't expect. So then he says, who is the wise and faithful servant whom the master puts in charge of the servants of the household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. But if he's wicked, he says, my master is staying away a long time. And then he acts inappropriately. You want to be ready. You want to act well at all times. You want to be prepared. Don't let a good day, a day go by without confessing your sins. Being right before the Lord, concentrating on scriptures like this, preparedness, being ready. Okay, well, how do I know this? Well, look at chapter 25. We have three extraordinary texts. The parable of the 10 virgins, five were wise, five were foolish. The door was shut when the bridegroom was ready because they had to go get oil to trim their lamps and the people that were wise could not give them oil because they might run out and they needed to be prepared. So be prepared. Be prepared today. Don't be prepared tomorrow, the next week, the next year, the next month, or when you get around to it. That is foolish. Be prepared to meet God now. Set your life in order now. Be prepared for the coming of the Lord. You don't know when it is. You you and I do not know when that's going to be. Then he closes the door, and you'd think maybe he'd give him a chance. No, I don't know you, he says. Therefore, what am I supposed to do? Keep watch because you don't know the day or the hour. You need to be prepared. Please be prepared for the coming of the Lord. It is absolutely 100% going to happen. It's not 99% or 80% or 50% or 40%. One zero zero. Be prepared for the coming of the Lord. Be prepared when the bridegroom comes. He is going to come. He may not come when you expect it. He might come at a moment you don't expect it. But you need to be prepared for his coming. Now, the parable of the talents <clears throat> is about God who gives his servants and entrusts his property to them. They are become his stewards. And then he gives them different amounts of money. Five talents, two talents, and one. And then he's going to come back, and we are going to give an account of what he gave us to take care of. That was his, is his, while he is gone. So, in this life, so in the first teaching, we have, okay, you need to prepare; be prepared because God is coming. In the second teaching, how am I going to live my life? What am I going to do in that time before he takes me? And you want to be wise. You are a steward of the resources that God has given you. You want to use them well and wisely to advance the kingdom of God, not your own personal kingdom. See, what happens to the the third guy is he was scared to death and he just hid his talent and the suffering to him was very great. Whereas the first person, five talents to five talents, two talents to two, that was great. You trusted me with five. I've gained five more. Well done. You've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Verse 21, come and share your master's happiness. Great. Fantastic. Two talents, same thing. Everyone who has been given more, verse 29, he will have an abundance. If you do not have, even what you have will be taken from him. And then he said, verse 30, this is pretty rough. Throw that worthless servant outside in the darkness, where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay? Know what your talents are. Use them wisely. Honor the Lord. Seek the help of the Holy Spirit. We said that in Zechariah. And then the sheep and the goats. This is now the judgment. Now, okay, so we're not transitioning to to, um, uh, from this life to the next. We're not talking about the life that we're presently having. Now we're, we're post transition. Now there's the judgment. And this is the very famous, uh, text about how you treated other people. And they were, uh, hungry. And you gave me something to eat thirsty. You gave me something to drink at 35. I was a stranger. You invited me in. I needed clothes, You clothed me when we see you do that. When you did this for the least of these, you did it for me. And the people that did not do that, verse 41 uh oh, depart from me, you accursed in the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So, here where Jesus acknowledges the eternal fire, which is hell, the devil and his angels, which he acknowledges, and the reasons that people go there, are another reason why people go there. This is not something you want to do. He will repay. He will reply, verse 45, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for the one the least of me is you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So your works have great value. You and I know that our works are going to be judged. These are works that need to be done in Jesus' name in terms of the way we treat people. Remember we talked last time about Matthew 22, 37, 38, and 39, which is the greatest commandment in the law, the lawyer asked. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is is where you're loving your neighbor. So, is it important what you do on a daily basis? Uh, Extremely important. Look at chapter 25. Foolish people do not prepare. Foolish people hide their talent. Foolish people do not love the others, particularly the least. So the consequences of those three actions are very, very, very serious. They are into everlasting and eternal fire. Lots to think about from Zechariah, from Amos, from Revelation, in terms of the praise of the Lord in 4 and 5, and then the challenge in 6 about the seals. And then, uh, of course, the end times and being prepared for that. You don't know the day or the hour, but you prepare, and then before Jesus goes into his preparation from death in Matthew 26, we have these three great teachings in 25. Well, have a beautiful Advent. We are in the week of third Advent. We've got one more week to go, and next week we'll look at four Advent. God bless you.